0: You turn to Isaiah, we're going to, we're going to flesh this out in Isaiah 40. but I just want to read this first this morning. It says, Ephesians 1 and verse 18, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people. And so I want to hit on that this morning. That you may know the hope which he has called you. The hope which he's called you. Now we go back to Isaiah. I want to flesh this out in Isaiah. Remember, when we talk about hope, this isn't the blessed hope. This isn't the return of Christ, the end of all things where we go to heaven. This is the hope that we have, right? This is the the Greek word, elpis, not Elvis. I know, elpis sounds like it. That's a good way to remember it. Um, Love me tender, right? Hound dog and all those good things, uh, my Pentecostal preaching grandpa used to, used to say his favorite word was hound dog, and he would say, "You ain't nothing but a hound dog," he said it all the time. So, I, I get get that. So, elpis, but it, it's it's hope. It's 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 a confident assurance, right? We know Hebrews tells us that that faith is being co- a confident assurance that even when we can't see something, we know it's real. We know it's there, and and the hope that we as believers have that, that's what it is. It's not the cross your fingers, cross your eyes, cross your toes, cross your knees, cross your arms, and hope it happens, right? Uh, or, or you're watching a sport event and you hope that your team wins, right? Oh, or you, 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 play, you hope your boss is going to give you a, a raise, and he gives you a free, uh, you know, ice cream cone from Dairy Queen, right? Instead of a raise, uh, it's not that kind of a hope. It's it's a it's hope. It's it's how we live our lives as believers. It's a hope. It's that confident expectation. And, and Paul writes there in Ephesians and wants them to, to know that the hope that they have. And so often, as we live life and things happen and changes take place and circumstances pop up, and, and we get a flat tire right off the home from work, or we get a flat tire when we least expect it, right? Or we buy four brand new tires and then one of them goes flat for no reason, or uh, you have a defective or, or anything like that. And it's easy for us to lose sight of that hope and what, we, what we're trusting in and what we're believing in. And so we go back to Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to look at verses 27 to 31. And, and, and we're, going to, we're going to look through those. So we're not going to read all at once. We're going to look through each of the little passages, each of the little sections as we go. But let's get an eye, a context. I want to look at context of what's going on in Isaiah. Okay, what what's going on? Because it, it's one of the most famous passages. You, you'll you'll know it as soon as we start reading it. What it is, but but what's going on that leads the prophet here to to say the things that that is being said? What's going on in the life of, of of uh, the southern kingdom, which would be Judah? They were in captivity. About 60 or 70 years, depending on the time frame, uh, uh, a great king, Nebuchadnezzar. Remember Nebuchadnezzar from Daniel, right? That, that, right? Or if you're a VeggieTale kid, anybody a VeggieTale kid? Nebuchadnezzar, right? Nebuchadnezzar owned the chocolate factory. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar uh, was ruling the world at the time. He was just conquering everywhere. And he uh, laid siege to the city. Uh, around 605 is when he began to, to conquer uh, around that time in 586 B.C., basically Judah no longer existed. He took it over and, and incorporated it into his, his country. Remember Nebuchadnezzar from the land right? Iraq and Iran, that's where he was from. That's where they came from, the Chaldeans. And what had happened was he had taken the southern kingdom remember Israel divided northern kingdom, southern kingdom northern kingdom had already gone to Assyria remember Nineveh, that's the Assyrian empire, they'd already gone. Now the southern kingdom which was Judah and which, which which was the house of David, Jesus was from the tribe of Judah right he 's the lion of the tribe of Judah, and now they had been taken into captivity, and so it had been fifty to sixty years, depending on how long they 'd been there, right Daniel and those guys were taken around six hundred b c and so now you now you have all this going on, and so we get to this this time here, and what 's happening is they're, they're, they had been in captivity for a while right and and none of us have been in captivity, but you, we've experienced situations in our lives that, that seem like they'll never end, right? Can you, can you think back to when you were in a situation that you just kind of like, oh, this is never going to end, right? I, I mean, it could be anything it could be a job, it could be a family situation, it could be a circumstance, it could be uh, a, 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 anything that happens that just, you just, you're like, when is this going to end, right? Kind of like remember when you were in high school? You're like, when is this going to end, right? When is high school going to be over? Remember those days? No, too far back for some of us, right? Okay, so we, that's, how, that's where they were at. Remember, they, they had been, they're God's chosen people, right? These are God's chosen people. You know, God is our king. God is the great God, right? He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He's our great, great God. And, and you know, he will always protect us, always guide us, always lead us. That's what he told him. He promised me I'll always be with you forever, ever. And here they have been taken into captivity. They watched the northern kingdom, right, the ten tribes. They'd watched all them being taken to Assyria, and it didn't faze them. You know, a hundred years, another hundred years passed, and now all of a sudden, the southern kingdom's going into captivity. And they couldn't believe that this was happening. In fact, uh, uh, Solomon Paul writes this. He says, the Israelites' plight and weariness in the Babylonian exile reverberate here in this passage. They see themselves as being abandoned by God. Have you ever felt that way? Kind of feel abandoned by God? It says they feel abandoned by God and... They feel there's no hope for salvation. Okay, prophets often quote the people's complaints. We'll look at that in a minute in order to properly address their grievances and then condemn, refute, or comfort depending on the issue at hand. Here he offers consolation. He describes God's great power and promises to those who believe in him. He shall renew their strength and be reinvigorated. So we see the people here, as we're going to begin reading this in verse 29, or 20, uh, 27. We, we see the people here are upset they they feel that if you remember if you go to the gospels right Matthew Mark Luke and John whenever Jesus confronts or talks to uh, the Jewish people what's one of the first things they say we're Abraham's children Abraham Isaac and Jacob are father or they talk about Moses they bring up their past they bring up how God had promised it to them therefore it's a promise to us which is true but what happens is is when things don't go the way you think it's supposed to go, sometimes we lose sight of those promises, right? It's easy to do, right? I I know I do. There's a lot of times I'm like, God, why have you abandoned me? Right? You ever felt that way? God, why are you you not working out this situation? Why am I still in this endless cycle? Like like I'm the gerbil on the wheel, right? And there's no getting off. You know, there's no way. And then you slow down. Start slowing down, oh good, it's going to start going again. You ever felt that way? That, that's what they were feeling like. And that's what life sometimes, when it hits us hard, feels like that. And then it's easy for us, human nature, right? Because we're human, we're, we're people, we have emotions and feelings, and sometimes our emotions get the best of us. And we have that feeling that God has abandoned us. Or that there's just no hope, it's just like it's a hopeless situation. And that's what is happening here at the beginning. So let's let's take a look at these this this passage here this morning. Chapter 40, and begin at verse 27. And it says, Why do you complain, Jacob? And why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God. And again, that's that's the beginning. Okay? And again, a prophet, you can go look at the prophets, you can read all the prophets, and what they'll do is they'll they'll phrase the people's complaints in a question right they'll phrase it say you know why are you saying oh my god is man and why are you saying this why are you saying this right and it, it's to it's to, to reiterate it. it's just a form of reiterating if you've ever talked to a counselor and you're talking about a situation the counselor will reframe what you're saying in a question to get you to continue talking about the situation right you know people like that, that every, you know, whenever they ask a question, they'll say, well, what do you think about that? Like, I don't, I, I don't want to have a conversation. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to have a conversation, right? They're always reframing what you say, and it's a good technique for keeping conversation going. And this is what the prophet here is doing. It says, why, why do you say? Why do you say, my way is said to the Lord, my cause is regarded? And he goes on in verse 28. He says, or he says, here the language in, the language suggests that the people were bringing God down to their level. So, so think about this. And, and this is what happens. When, when, we, when we lose sight of that hope that we have, remember hope is a confident assurance in what we believe. and what we believe is not something, what we believe is someone right? So our hope is not in a thing, we hope my team wins, or I hope my car starts this morning, or I hope I have enough gas to get to work, right, before the next paycheck. My hope is not in a thing that can fail me. My hope is in a God who never fails. He can't fail. It's impossible for God to fail, but sometimes life gets, gets on us, and, and we, we feel like things are hopeless, and when we do that, what we do is we tend to bring God down to our level, Right? We bring God down. Instead of God being here and perfect and, 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 and everything and, and never failing, unfailing, right? Great. We say this morning, greatest is faithfulness to me. He's our anchor to the ground, right? We bring God down to our level because in some ways that soothes us because then we can, right, now we can really complain. God doesn't care about us. There's, there's no hope. So the language here, they, they're bringing God down to their level, thinking Him to either forgetful or tired. God's forgetful. God has so much to do that he's just forgotten about us. Because remember, we've got to pause here. Remember, these aren't just regular people. These are the ones, go back to Genesis chapter 12. These are the ones that God, basically the same place that they're at now, Babylonia, that's where Abram was from, Right? It says, Abram, leave your land. Go to where I tell you, and I will make you a nation. So the people that are complaining and saying, God has left us, God has forgotten about us, well, we can understand that. Because these are the same people that God had called out in the form and the person of Abram and Sarah. And then from him at 100 years of age... Began birthing out 12 sons and a few daughters. 12 sons who became the 12 tribes. Well, most of them did, right? 10 of them did. 12 tribes of Israel. And, be, and this is the nation. And, and all, of the, uh, all the way up through the time of Jesus, right? We know that Jesus was from, from the lineage of, of David. Why? Because they, followed, they traced their generations through whichever one of the 12 sons that they were. Uh, that they, they had come from they traced that lineage so we can understand this isn't just you and me going oh god doesn't care about us these are the god's chosen people who says i will make you a great nation those nations who bless you i will bless those nations who curse you i will curse these are the ones that through the leading leadership of moses went led out of egypt and went across dry land across the great river lake, lake there Went across dry land, went into the promised land. The leadership of Joshua uh, went in and conquered the land, right? And then the leadership of, of the prophets or, or the, the, the judges, and, and then uh, the Samuel, and ultimately through the, the kings, Elijah, Elisha, and the great prophets. This is who this is about. So you understand when it says that they are, maybe God's forgotten about us. You ever felt that way? Maybe, God, maybe God's just forgotten about me. <laughs> I mean, right? What is the that says, who am I that, that God thinks about me? I mean, as a human being, that's easy to think. Man, who am I that God even cares about me? Well, I'll tell you who you are. You're a child of God. And I know how I care about my children, and they're all grown adults. I care less about them now because I have grandkids. I still love my kids. I care about them. I care about their well-being. But those little ones, that's fun, Right? And that's what Papa wants. I love my kids. And I'll tell you what, even to this day, if my kids need something, you got it. I'll do it for you. We'll go, okay. Yeah, I'll come over and do that. Yeah, I'll come over and do that for you. And you can do it yourself, but hey, that's, that's it's my child. You're a child of God. But they felt that way, and we know what that's like. Or they think maybe God's tired. I mean, and, and this comes from the concept of, remember, Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six of creation, either whether it's a literal 24-hour day or whether it's, we, we don't know. We, we can't honestly know. And I know people are real strict about, it's a literal seven-day creation. Okay, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it being longer than that because a day to God is a thousand years, a thousand years a day. I'm okay with that. The, the, the Hebrew text in Genesis one, two, three, 3, they don't make it clear whether it's literal seven days. I'm okay with that. I, I'm I'm good. I'm, that's not something I'm going to argue about. What I'm going to be strict about is salvation. Right? So we can talk about creation. And there's some interesting thoughts and theories. That's great. But remember, this this may come from, on the seventh day, what did God do? He rested. Now, if you're not careful, and if you're not, we know, where does false teaching come from? Lazy exegesis, right? And so maybe here it comes to thinking of, well, after God got done creating everything, he had to rest because he was tired. So maybe God's too tired. Maybe he's just, maybe just, he's just worn out from, from fixing our messes. You ever feel that way? All right? Maybe you know someone at work that's always making messes and stuff, you, you're the one that's always got to fix them. Or maybe you had a child that way, you know, and just you are know, always got to go fix the mess. And, and, and maybe God's just worn out. They're thinking, maybe God's just worn out from, from fixing our messes. Right? Maybe he, maybe he, he's, he's tired of, of, of fixing their folly. They probably expected, here's what Gary Smith in the New American Commentary says, they probably expected, based on their covenant relationship with God, that God would deal with them mercifully. But this was not happening. Right? God was dealing with them mercifully. Right? Now, think about this. God shows His great mercy in us, right? And that while we were sinners, Christ died for us, right? So, so we love. We love. I, I don't know about you. I mess up all the time. Don't ask my wife. I mess up all the time. I mean, I'm constantly doing the wrong thing. It's like ingrained in who I am, right? I just, that's who I am. And we're all like that. And I, but I love God's grace and mercy. I love when God deals with me in mercy, Right? And that's what we love. But how many of you know that sometimes God doesn't deal with us in mercy? Right? Because that's not what we need at the time. Right? My mom showed great patience with me. I had an older brother, older sister, and a younger sister. Okay? We were, all four of us were born within five and a half years of each other. All right? So um, my brother was, they're all weird. I'm the only normal one. And then my older sister, and my younger sister, man, just, but I was the one, you know, during church, there's there's mom, and then there's Ron and Renee sitting, and then there's an empty chair, and there's Cheryl, and there's me crawling somewhere, right? Or or doing something, because I just had ants in my pants. Anybody, was anybody else like that growing up? You were the one with ants? Nobody, nobody in here had ants in their pants? You Thank you. One, okay, good, okay, right, so, whew. So people understand where I'm coming from. And I, when I would stay, uh, grandma, my grandma was the pastor, and she'd be there, and all of a sudden she'd go, she'd go, Stanley, Stanley, come up here and sit. Which was like the worst thing to do because now I had an audience. <laughs> Put me in a pulp, <laughs> and where am I at now? It's all grandma's fault because she kept making me come to the platform when she's preaching. But we, we love it when God deals, but then what happens is sometimes, my mom loved me. And I'm going to tell this story. Uh remember the old A&P stores? Yep. A&P, okay, good. Um, some places I go in there, A&P, what is that? Okay, A&P, it's just a store. It's like a Kroger, it's just a store. And we were at the A&P store, and I had my um, jacket on, and I t- grabbed some Tic Tacs and put them in my pocket, which is called stealing, right? And... The guy grabbed my arm, said, Where's your mom? Took me to my mom. And of course, my mom defended me because you don't mess with her, son. And so I'm like, Yeah, you tell her, mom. Yeah, you... And so she said, I want to pay for this. She said, Well, he's stealing him. She says, Well, I'm going to pay for him. She didn't pay for him because there's no way in the world I was getting those. And so on the way home, I'm like, Yeah, mom, yeah. the silent treatment. You know what that's like when you get the silent treatment from your mom? Right? You know that when you get home, and the kids in the back, right? I got to sit up front because I would, usually when you sit up front, yay! But not this time. And the kids in the back are all giggling. Then my brother and sister, And we get home, we go into the one room downstairs that that nobody nobody's nobody's room, right? And mom gets the the belt out, right? You never had a good childhood until you been whooped, right? And so mom begins to cry, and that's what was worse than the whooping was the tears my mom shed because I had hurt her. I would embarrassed her. But she made it known that what was worse than her being embarrassed by my action was the sin that I had committed that had hurt God. And she made sure that I knew that was worse than anything that was about to happen. Well, what was about to happen was <laughs> it was painful. And and I don't know about you, but my mom hit for distance, right? And if you didn't, when she, if you didn't go far enough, right, it was coming again. And my mom was the kind that would say a word, why did, I'm like, "Oh, please let the sentence be short. It never was. And why did my mom do that? Because she knew that that's what I needed. You say, "Oh, that's spanking. That's punishment. Corporal punishment." Listen, I deserved it, and I got it, and I'm okay with it. I turned out okay. My brothers and sisters, not so much. But they didn't get spanked enough. I want you to know that. So anyway, so we love when God deals mercifully with us, don't we? But sometimes God doesn't deal mercifully with us, and that's where we struggle. We don't struggle when God shows mercy. We struggle when he doesn't because we want him to so badly. So here we see that their expectation was God's going to deal merciless. Here comes Nebuchadnezzar, and and Nebuchadnezzar was like Rome, right? Except Rome ruled a longer period of time. But Nebuchadnezzar came in and laid siege to the city and then took them. Took all the leaders, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, took them all away. Took all the young leaders, took them all and killed all their parents. Right? All, all, all And they're, they're, they're having a hard time. What's going on? Well, certainly God's going to be merciful to us. And then now they're in a foreign country and they're starting to have babies. They're starting to have children. Children are starting to grow up not knowing the promised land. And they're not sure what to do. So what happens? So the prophet here, verses 28 and 29. He said he asked two rhetorical questions. Y'all know what a rhetorical question is, right? Like when your when your mom looks at you and says, "Why did you do that?" Don't answer, right? Or if your wife says, "What are you doing?" Mm, mm-mm, not playing that game. I will say I always say nothing. Good, let's go to the store. I'm like, okay, <laughs> right? It's a rhetorical question, not meant to be answered. And the interesting thing is, he asked two questions. He says. Do you not know and have you not heard? In other words, what the prophet is saying here is, you already know the answer to this. You already know and you've already heard. You already know this. What I'm about to say to you is stuff that you already know. But you know, sometimes we have to be reminded. You know, that's why God is so gracious to us. That we should know, right? Uh, Has anybody ever seen God do anything for them in the past? Right? Everybody. Has anybody ever witnessed a miracle? Our our daughter Jackie was healed in a service and Heidi was carrying her. She never even made it to the, she came in the door and the preacher was up here and he was praying for some of us. He stopped and said, her leg is healed. He didn't even have a clue who we were or what was wrong with our daughter. He says, her leg is healed. I haven't seen that. i seen an older lady in church when my grandma was preaching jump up and yell at my grandma, what did you say Sister Bibbler? And it's like we're all, and everybody, of course, like, you don't talk to her and preach her sermon. Amen and oh me, but nothing, you know. And my grandma looks over and she says, Well, I said this, looked at her, her big, you know, the old days, the, the, the ear, the, what they call The ear, uh, hearing aids, thank you, were big and bulky, right? And she had popped them out. Some healed. Nobody prayed for. So we've all witnessed things like that. We've all seen miracles, things like that. Even little things like you, you know, you pull up in the drive-through and the person ahead of you paid for. For little things like that, right? Million little miracles. I love that song. We do million little miracles that we don't even think about. God does all those great things for us, but sometimes we just need to be reminded. And here in verses 28 and 29, that is what is going to happen. The prophet is going to. He said, here's your your complaints. I'm going to remind you of the goodness of God and who God is. So he gives the rhetorical questions, and then he says this. He says, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. and his understanding, no one can fathom. Remember, they said, maybe he's tired. Maybe he's worn out. Maybe he's resting like on the seventh day because he's tired and the prophet says he's not. So he says these four things about God. He says first God is everlasting or eternal. He's no beginning and no end. No beginning and no end. God's eternal, everlasting. He's reminding him of that. Right? Psalm 90 verse 2 says before the mountains were brought forth or ever uh, uh, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting you are God. God is everlasting. And then he says this. He says God's the creator. He's the creator. That's a capital C, right? Your Bible is a capital C. It means he is the creator. He's the creator of the whole earth, right? God's, God is everlasting, and he created everything. Now, they need to be reminded of this because remember, they're saying God's forgotten about us. Well, he's saying, well, first of all, God is everlasting. God's a creator. And then he gets more specific with him. He says this. He says, God's power to administer the affairs of thousands of stars in heaven and millions of people on earth never brings fatigue or weakness okay god who flung the stars in the sky right and formed the planets and most of them rotate the right way and a few of them go backwards just to mess us up just to disprove some of the weird theories out there right god just has a funny way let's eh, let's spin the moon backwards just for fun right So maybe that bounced off another rock, and God did it just to make us think about him, right? The one who flung the stars and spoke them into existence and said, let there be light. And the Bible says there was light, which we know travels at what speed? 186,000 miles per second? That's crazy to think about. The one who did that and the one who can take care of millions at the time on the planet, millions, now billions of people, and that's just on earth now, not including all the other people here before us and the ones who are yet to come, that God can be actively involved in the affairs of everybody that's ever lived and has never once fatigued him. And the prophets here are reminding them, you say, God is weary Maybe he has grown tired. Maybe he needs to rest. And the prophet is saying, God, who from the beginning of time has never been fatigued and never grown weary. That's the God you serve. He is not tired, nor can he be tired. God never sleeps. He never slumbers. And the last thing he says in, in, at the end there of verse 28 is, 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 his wisdom is unlimited and totally beyond human comprehension. Right? totally beyond human comprehension I think it's fun sometimes to sit and think about things that are that you can't, you can't solve right like, like how, how is it going to be how is it going to be how are we going to live forever usually it's late at night when I'm trying to go to sleep all of a sudden my mind starts thinking about that and then I lay there awake for a while because like now nah, I, can't, I can't sleep how are we going to live forever I mean ever Right? How, how how do we even? I, I can tell you what, what a minute is. at sixty seconds, right? I can tell you what an hour is. at sixty minutes. I I can understand time. I can tell you how many years I've lived, and and you know my lifespan is supposed to be. I'm hoping to get that. And I can tell you all these things. I can tell you what. But explain eternity. How do you do that? I don't know. Now my minds gonna start going crazy, and we start thinking, oh, I can't, I'm going to be able to sleep tonight because it's one of those things. But that's God. God is unlimited, and his, his, his thinking is beyond our comprehension. That's a good thing. Because if God was limited in his understanding, his comprehension, not a God that we'd be good with. Because then th- there are things that couldn't happen. God couldn't be and couldn't take care of and couldn't do. Him. I love this Paul writes in Romans 11:33 he says and I, I this is one of my favorite he says oh the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God the depth I just love how he says that oh the depth of God's wisdom oh the depth of his riches of wisdom and knowledge of God In other words what he's saying is we look at, look at verse look at verse 29 so he, he gives, a, he asks the two questions, then he tells them the four things about God, then he uses the word, he gives. I love that. He gives. Okay? He gives. Remember, they're complaining, maybe God has forgotten about us, God's tired, and he says, here's God, and now he gives. What does he give? He gives, he gives strength to the weary and increase the power of the weak. In other words, they can endure the trials or the difficult circumstances, difficult situations, because he gives strength to the weary and power to the weak. He gives it. How many many of you are are, are the kind of people that, I mean, we all do it at some point, but some people do it all the time, that whenever a situation arises, you, first thing you do is solve the problem. You figure out, here's how I'm going to solve the problem. Here's how it's going to go. Anybody like that? Uh, That's not me. I'm not like that. I, I wait till the last minute, and then you know, something's going to happen, right? He's over there laughing. He's like, "Yeah, that's him." <laughs> Solve the problem, Anybody, You're a problem solver. As soon as the situation happens, even if it's the worst possible, you're like, "Okay, we do boom, 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 boom." And then the problem is, it doesn't go that way, which frustrates you, right? And I'm not talking down to you. I, I, I have my issues, and I know how my what happens with me. It's like, oh, when nothing happens, you're like, oh, right. And, and, and so th- that's what happens a lot of times. What happens a lot of times is this. We have a situation and, 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 and a circumstance, and we immediately start to solve it. And sometimes we do that without realizing that God wants to be involved in this. God wants to be, he allowed this circumstance, allowed this, he wants to be involved in this. Remember, oh, the depths of the riches of his wisdom and knowledge. Uh, he has a solution, and he wants to work with you to bring that about. Right? It's through our human weakness that His power and glory are displayed. And that's where a lot of us struggle with. It's through our weakness He is made strong. Through our weakness His glory and power is revealed. Right? We see that in salvation. What did you do to get salvation? Nothing. You surrendered. You surrendered to what? You surrendered to Him. And that, because you realize that through him is salvation. Through you is sin, right? Nothing good. So then what happens? And we get to this, and this is the, this is the last part I'm going to talk about this morning, the ending of all this, which is a, a passage you're all familiar with, right? And it says this, ready? It says, remember, he goes on and says, He gives strength to the weary and understand, and gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. So if you're in a situation right now where that's how you feel, He's going to give it to you. He's going to give you what you need to get through that situation. He may not give you the answer. That's what I want, right? I want the answer. Okay, God, two plus two is four, right? We want the answer. And sometimes God says, "Mm, not the answer, but here I am. Here I am. Let's walk this together. That's hard for us sometimes to, to deal with. But notice what he says here. Look at verse 30. I love this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I know I say that every week, but this is true. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. That's important because it's young people, you know, right? You know, you go watch kids and they, they never stop. We had our grandkids all week. We had two of them for a couple days, and the last, and they just they're going, 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 going until they fall over sleep. And even then they don't want to go to sleep, right? And they have so much energy, and you're like, Papa, come play with me. I'm like, how about if Papa sits for a few minutes? And you just go run around like this. And they look at you like, okay, Papa. And then they go running around. And then they come back up the hill, Papa, roll down the hill with us. Nah, Papa ain't doing that. Papa ain't gonna break his leg, right? Now, 20 years ago, when I was a dad, I would have done it. Or when I was a kid, I definitely would have done it. But as a papa, like, no, but I'll take pictures of you here. Smile as you're going down the hill, getting dirt and mud, right? Boundless energy. And what his prophet is saying here that, their strength will fail. Their, 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 it, it all fails. Their use, power, might, it's going to fail because it's human. And then he gets to the, the best part. But there's that good word those who hope in the Lord. There it is. There it is. Remember, these people have been in captivity. Some of them have given birth to children in captivity. Some of them have become grandparents in captivity. Some of them have longed for the moment. They saw, they remember. Some of them can remember the beauty of Solomon's temple. They can remember all these things. And here they are in a foreign country as slaves and servants. Being told by the prophet, live your life. That's what God's called you to do. And so what happens is, remember that gets to this part and he says, but... Those who hope in the Lord. Here's what it is. You ready? Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That's it. That's it. Who are those who hope in the Lord here? They're the believers who remain faithful to God. Those are the ones who will be restored. The ones whose hope remains in God through the circumstances and the situations and the troubles and, and the, where we don't find mercy, where we want mercy, but God's not giving mercy for whatever reason at this point, because he's trying to teach us something that we need to learn. The ones whose hope is in the Lord. The ones whose hope the You grow tired and weary. God's strength is needed. See, that's where we're at now. God's strength, we have to understand it's, it's, we need God's strength. There's only so much we can do, right? And we need God's strength. We need God's strength. It's how, to, God's strength is how we overcome. It's how we get through the trials. It's how we get through the difficult situations. Our strength ultimately will fail us. But the prophet reminds us that those whose hope is in the Lord, first he'll renew their strength. Here's a good word. The word renew, is also used in Scripture, similar to this word, to describe changing one's clothes. How I many know that's a good thing, especially if you've been out sweaty and hot like yesterday? It's good to change your clothes. And children is helpful. Taking showers are good too. But here it's changing one's clothes. So, in other words, what we say is we, we are encouraged to exchange our weakness, change our clothes, and put on God's strength. So we're going to exchange our weakness. I don't know about you, that's a really bad deal for God, but it's a great deal for us. I'm going to exchange my weakness for his strength. I'm going to exchange my weakness for his strength. What's the second thing? It says, we'll renew our strength, we'll soar on wings like eagles. Now, eagle is used in the Bible uh, as a metaphor for, for both strength And speed. All right, strength and speed. And so literally, literally what they're saying here is they shall grow new wings like eagles because humans don't have wings. So we will grow new wings like eagles' wings. Or we can say it this way. They shall once more, because remember we're talking about their fainting, the youth youth faint, they fail, their strength fails them. So we can say here is, it says those who wait upon the Lord, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And, and it says then they shall once more become reinvigorated and rejuvenated. That's what it's saying here. Those whose hope is in the Lord, when it says we'll mount up with wings like eagles, what it's saying is, those of us who hope in the Lord will once again be rejuvenated, become vigorous, even if we're older, chronologically, right? Even if we're older. It says one more thing, uh, two more things. One, it says we'll run and not grow weary that's just telling again he's reminding them hey you're remember back there in verse 27 your your question is maybe god's tired of us maybe he's grown weary and then he reminds them even youth and young people grow weary god will not grow weary not only does not god not grow weary he will make you run and not grow weary yesterday when our air conditioning guy came he called we're out walking he calls because our air conditioning we just bought a new one in december and it wasn't working the heat worked great air didn't kick on it was 80 degrees in the house so we went for a walk it was cooler outside than it was inside you got one of those right so we're walking we're about a half mile from the house he calls hey i forgot to call you i'm on the way i'm like man we're out so guess what this guy does i run home of course, I'm really sore today because I, am, I don't run all the time now. But when I was younger, I ran all the time. Didn't feel sore at all. Now I run not even half my way. like a little bit. Stop, walk, ran, stop, walk, ran. Now it's like. And God is saying to those who hope in him, you will run and not grow really, Like when you were young. Like when you're the little grandson running around, rolling down the hill, and boundless energy. And then you're like, Papa, let's stop at the park. Let's go to that park and play. I want to go take a nap. God is saying, no, naps are important. Because Jesus, Jesus slept. He, he took time for rest. God's going to, when he renews us, it's going to be like those young people, the boundless energy. Because the energy God gives us that will never grow weary because God doesn't grow weary. And the last thing this morning says this that we will walk and not be faint. God grants those who hope in Him great endurance and vigor, so they will never tire in their endeavors. So understand that. Those of us who hope in the Lord, whatever it is that we are doing, whatever we're working at, whatever we're doing for God, God will will give us strength and give us so that we will have endurance to finish what God has called us to do. So, if the musicians want to come up, we're going to look at this. What, what are, what, can, how can we apply this to our lives, right? We look at that's great. That was the Israelites. That was the ones who were in captivity. Their circumstances different than mine. What can I do? So, what does it mean to me today? Well, I just got a couple things I want to, I, I want to say to us this way. First practical application we get from this is let us remember who God is. That sounds so simple, doesn't it, right? We know who God is. But sometimes we need to be reminded who God is, right? God's not up there, out there, waiting to zap us when we mess up. God is right here, living in us, among us, right? It's in him we live and move and have our being. So let's be reminded of who God is, Remind who God is. What's another one? Let us put our hope in the one and the only one who can renew, restore, revive, and reinvigorate. Let us continue to put our hope in the only one who can renew, restore, revive, and reinvigorate. That's where our hope is. That's where our hope is. We know that 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 God is at work in every situation, every circumstance, whether good or bad. God is working everything out for our good. That's what Paul tells us in Romans. Everything that's happening in our life, God is going is to bring about His conclusion. He's going to bring about His ending. And here's what I know about God. His ending is a new beginning. Because there's no ending with God. There's always the next thing. And so those of us we may be in a situation where we feel like we've been taken into captivity. We feel like we're on the gerbil on the wheel. That, that God is, is he's being silent. He's not there. God is right there in the midst. And He is renewing us. How do you think that gerbil keeps going? All that energy. Who's given the gerbil energy? Well, if we're the one on the wheel, who's giving us the strength to continue on until God intervenes, or until God moves in that situation? It's God. He renews. Revives, restores, and reinvigorates in our lives. So let that be a reminder to us as we live our lives, no matter what our circumstances and situations, is that God is actively involved in our lives and He knows where we're at. He's not weary, He's not tired. Even, even, even in the midst of our folly and our continuing to do the wrong thing, me, continuing to not do what God wants to continue to do, right? God has to keep rescuing me. God is never grow weary, never tired of that. God is always there, always moving in our lives. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you for, for all tonight. you. And I thank you, Lord God, this morning that you've reminded us for the hope that we have to live in that hope. And I pray, Lord God, that, that no matter what place we're in our lives, in our circumstances, our situations, whether good or bad, that you're there in the midst of us that you're, you're 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 letting us mount up with wings like eagles, and that our strength is in you. And we praise you for that, Lord Jesus. We praise you for that, Lord Jesus. We praise you for that, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord.